you guys go ahead and do some jokes. I gotta get my gunners. Okay. When was that? The... Is a joke, but that is a joke. Like that's a joke. That's true. That you know right I mean? there. Like we could just go off off of that for the next two minutes and bada bing bada boom. What is it that's about yellow? Seeing yellow that makes you a it's better gamer. Of, it's the opposite of blue color. It's the opposite of blue color. So blue color tries to get in your eyeballs. Yeah. But the yellow sunglasses are like, no way, dude. Only yellow for me, because doctors love yellow light. They say it's great for your pupils and corneas and retinas. And good enough for Superman. It's good enough for me. So you think fish are terrible gamers? I think for a number of reasons. Yeah, fish aren't very good gamers, except Actually, for that one fish that beat Pokemon. That was dope. <laughs> uh, ca- counterpoint, Trey Anastasia whips ass at Vanguard. Oh, so no. You tell me. No, no, no. Man, that's a great joke. No. <sighs> What percent of our audience do you think is going to enjoy that joke, Juice? Do you run the math like that anytime you say anything on the show? Because I do. <laughs> I'm sorry, Griffin. I'm an artist. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> My name is Justin McElroy, and I know the best game of the week. My name is Griffin McElroy, and I know the best game of the week. My name is Christopher Thomas Plant, and I know the best game of the week. My name is Ross Frosch, and I know the best game of the week. Hello, and welcome to the Besties. It's a video game club, and just by listening, my friend, you are a member. Today, we're going to be talking about the latest and greatest in-home interactive entertainment. Uh, and it, today, that will take the form of a new release from Drinkbox, Nobody Saves the World. But Chris Plant, what is Nobody Saves the World? Well, this week we're actually doing something a little different. Instead of talking about the game, we're just going to jam band our feelings to the game the whole time. A little fish style. Oh, that's style. so cool. Yeah, it's going to be good. Be you didn't think I was going to talk about Fish and Grateful Dead? You know I want to talk about that. That's all I want to talk about I now. I left my jam yeah. at home. Uh, Fine. Nobody Saves the World is the new game from Drinkbox Studios. Uh, You might know them as the developer of Guacamelee and uh, Mutant Blobs from Outer Space, which I believe was talked about on one of our very first episodes. This game is a uh, kind of a Diablo dungeon crawler uh, kill and loot type of game, except, and here's the big twist, you can play as lots and lots of different characters, like a slug or an egg or a magician. And y'all, it's fun as hell. I can't wait to talk about it. I mean, either. And in fact, let's not wait. Let's just, well, let's wait briefly while we sell things and then come back and stop waiting because we'll be. T- <sighs> y'all, you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week rocket money they make it so easy to get your personal finances on track and especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need keep the ones you want get rid of the rest here's how it works rocket money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions monitors your spending and helps lower your bills they'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20 percent all you have to do is take a picture of your bill and rocket money takes care of the rest that might sound too good to be true i have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments i have and it's worked which is 
incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties. Rocketmoney.com slash besties. I just also want to mention that um, Drinkbox did Severed. You guys remember Severed? Yeah, oh, yeah. Severed. Yeah. Great game. Uh, that was so cool. That was a cool game. What, um, a great studio, what a great studio, man. They're great. And you know what? I feel like they have sort of like been off the radar for a little bit. And they're, they're one that I always really, really liked. Um, and uh, I'm so happy to see them doing stuff again. I, I was not the biggest fan of Guacamelee too. I think we talked about it here. I'm pretty sure. But it's been four years. Since Guacamelee 2, and now they're back with Nobody Saves the World. And uh, guys, I'm wild about this one. Yeah. I gotta it's say, fun. it's really, really fun. I, um, so, okay, the, the, it's, it's the like most sort of like basic premise, but you are the titular nobody who kind of pops up out of nowhere with no memory, uh, of, of who you are or why you're there or any of that. Uh, all you know is that there's this wizard that uh, has gone missing and this threat called the Calamity that's trying to destroy the world. And you, at the very beginning of the game, come into possession of this magic wand that lets you transform into other uh, characters. And the first is like a mouse, right? And so the mouse has the ability to poison enemies by biting them. And he's also got this consume ability that lets you heal yourself by attacking enemies, right? And then you have these little quests that involve those abilities. And then as you complete this quest and level up, then you unlock other forms. And that sort of branches out in a, I mean, not technically a skill tree. It's sort of a... You unlock more forms just by doing these quests. And then that's where you get new powers. And uh, the progression of the game sort of comes from that, basically. And the and the powers and the, the characters are all, like, drastically different. Yeah. I mean, like feel completely different yeah i i uh when i started playing this game i played for like the first hour and i was like yeah it's cute like i like the art style it's cute it's very lighthearted. but i was not immediately grabbed by it and it it's wasn't slow. until i started unlocking yeah. more of these like very diverse different classes i guess you would call them um that it started clicking for me and the one that was like the game changer and then uh, more interesting ones came after that was the horse. You unlock yeah, a yeah. horse class where you're just a horse and his horse abilities are you can kick with your hooves and you can run run into things and those are his horse abilities. But there, it was something so bizarre about, you know, I'm so used to seeing like a knight and like an archer and those are there, those are in the game. But just like, you're a horse now brought me a lot when of you joy. Have to you have to move backwards with it. Like yes. it, the the gimmick is like the horse's kick is very powerful, but it goes the wrong direction. Yes. Yes. There's also as soon as you unlock the horse, you get a sub quest to fall in love with another horse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which, Which happens you, immediately. <laughs> like immediately, and you and and it it provides like this narrative dialogue of like you've never felt this way before. <laughs> like it it really paints a beautiful horse on horse love picture. Um, but it doesn't paint. 
a horse on horse love picture. <laughs> I should be clear with word with word with words. <laughs> um, probably. But what we haven't touched on, and what I think is really the like the the thing that makes this game sing is as you unlock more forms and you level up. There's like four ability slots and then four passive slots, and each uh, form has like one attack that's locked to them. Right. So uh, I'll use the magician for example. The magician can. Uh, uh, use a card attack and basically like shoots out a card and it attacks the enemy and refills your mana, right? And then he, the second un- a thing he unlocks is a ability to like pull rabbits and tigers out of his hat to attack your enemies, like working independently as familiars. But as you go on, you unlock, I'm trying to think of the best one. Oh, the zombie. The zombie is a perfect example. Of yeah, that. yeah, yeah. The zombie. So with the zombie, you can then bite uh, enemies, and there are tons and tons and tons of enemies on screen. And once they've been bitten and they get killed, they get replaced by zombies that work on your side, and they, their health quickly declines. So say that you've already released, you know, five or six bunnies and tigers as your familiars. Now you also have 15 or 20 zombies on the screen, and the entire, like, stage is a war between this like army of zombies, tigers and bunnies versus whatever enemies are coming. Your it way. really, it's wild. It goes from this like Diablo style action game to like, uh, <laughs> a very pared down dynasty warriors. <laughs> <Where you're> like, <laughs> like, cause then you get an ability where you can heal your familiars. Right. So then it's like, okay, well I can use this card attack to heal my familiars and all the abilities swap out with all the other ones. So like, the necromancer has chain lightning that will heal familiars. So you can give the the magician chain lightning and zombie bite. And then he's just like walking around this huge army and healing them with all his like magic lightning uh, in individual dungeons. Some of them have qualifiers like heals that you do also heal enemies. And then enemies, individual enemies also have these wards, which are like, uh, specific barriers that you need an element like light or dark or force or whatever to defeat. So it's like each dungeon is sort of this question of like, what is the best, like most optimal setup that I can do? What character will absolutely like is perfectly tuned to demolish this. And you can also switch on the fly um, between eight of your forms. Um, there's, there's many more than that. Did any of you have like a favorite setup that just, the game just really clicked when you were playing that that type of character. I don't think I got to the zombies, so I was still a little bit earlier than you guys, but just mixing the, what was it? The horse with the rat, strong right? man? I think I was, oh, no, no, no. I was I was mixing the, the, the poison dealing of the rat with the horse charge. And that sort of like, that sort of combination makes me think that this is a game where you know, we look at a game like there's a lot of looters like Diablo or even Borderlands where a lot of attention is placed on balance and like, oh, I want to make sure yeah. that like each of the classes are balanced and it's fair and you have a reason to play this class over the other class. And this game sort of throws all that out the window to the point where your creativity allows things to get very overpowered very quickly. And that is very rewarding as a player. Like, it's fine. Like, I don't expect them... I don't think they want people to be playing that. It's not a living game. It's not going to keep going forever and ever. But this allows people to like have a lot of control over their experience. Um, and 
you know, that's not even mentioning the online play, which allows for co-op, which is, right. you know, you mix two, cla- two of those player-created classes together, and it starts getting even more bonkers. I, I would say, though, that imbalance element is a blessing and a curse, because I, I really enjoyed, like, finding which mixes worked the best, but at the same time, there were a few times where I felt like, well, I need to... I need to play this class either to get more of the, you know, star points that you use to unlock new dungeons and stuff, which is like the sort of major gates in the game. As you complete those missions, uh, you get you get those star points that you need to unlock, unlock different dungeons. Uh, and sometimes I felt like, well, I need more star points to do this. And, you know, I haven't at all played as this guy, so I'll be able to uh, complete a bunch of missions a bit quicker than grinding out a bunch of stuff on a class I actually like. Um, or like, uh, the, the, the class I've got now sucks, but by getting it to rank B or whatever, I can unlock a class I actually want to play. And anytime I kind of felt obligated to play as a class that I did not really enjoy because they are like so different, you know, it was kind of like having to eat my vegetables a little bit. Which yeah. I, I did find that it could, you could alleviate the more abilities you have, the more options that you had the more like you were able to alleviate that uh, that sense like certainly early on you're locked into three or four different options and and some of those are a little less fun than others but like i didn't like the ghost at first the ghost has this aura of fear <sighs> that is just all around him and he just scares enemies and the the more enemies you hit with it the faster it recharges yeah. so you can cast it again and make it bigger um which and in your like, opinion that, of the ghost i'm assuming changed a lot well, I got an ability that anytime an enemy was afflicted with status, they would explode nines yeah. out of them. I was like, okay, well, this works. Like that, yeah, this is a good ghost now. I like this boy. This is a good ghost. They also yeah, are, yeah, are I, smart because they have those like main dungeons that basically tell you, oh, you can't progress any of the quests. So pick your absolute best situation. Oh, yeah, that's a smart choice. Which is a really smart design thing where it's like you won't feel guilty because you can't progress any of the quests. You have to pick your best setup and like if that works, if that like helps you to power through, that feels really, really good. Yeah, I I, I agree with Griffin for the beginning of the game and I think that's the beginning of the game just in general. I think the first two to three hours of this game, they're not bad. They're where I would most definitely play co-op if you can just to kind of learn the ropes. There's a, a what is it? Arrow shooter. Oh my gosh. Why? Yeah, Archer. Like, Ranger. Archer. Archer. Yeah, Ranger. Thank you. Um, but that, that character isn't especially fun and it happens to be one of the first ones that you get. And yeah, the, the grind is slow, but I, I had the same experiences, uh, hoops. I, I really enjoyed the grind of, okay, I have, you know, half my characters are level B, but the other half are like D or C and I need to get them all on the same playing field. And I spent like an hour in a more advanced dungeon where there's just tons and tons and tons of enemies. And it would take like a couple minutes to get each individual one upgraded just because there were there's just so much on the screen that you could meet yeah. whatever like the, the quest goal of, you know, hit 100 things with slow or hit 50 things with a confetti bomb. I think in a similar vein to like me not. Uh, loving the you know feeling of having to play a class I didn't really enjoy that much. Uh, the progression, like the unlocking of quests, which are required to rank up your uh, your different classes, like it is kind of impossible to just focus one, uh, especially in the beginning of the game, because there's like you know 
you'll unlock three or so quests every time that you rank up. And then once you hit rank C, like you don't get any more quests until you play more of the game. Uh, so you can't just say like, I'm going to get this dude to fucking rank A right now because I love playing as the rat. You can't really, you can't really do that. That seems more like a feature than a bug though. No, like, I know. I, yeah, it's, that's what I'm saying. It's a, it is a, a positive and a, and a negative, right? Because the game would be less fun if you did that. <laughs> but that that sort of min maxi level of your mind, you kind of have to turn off. Uh, it's also frustrating when you like early on. There's like a puzzle or like a, something in the map that looks like a nest, right? And so you're like, oh shit, okay. Well, I have to get rat to rank B to unlock the egg, which I bet will solve that puzzle. But you can't do that yet because you don't have enough quests available to you. Which is yeah, I don't know. I, it feels like a little. That's Metroidvania's, right? Like where yeah, you see the thing you need to solve, way. and then you just need to remember it for later. Yeah, that the egg, the nest uh, puzzle is really hard though, because you have to take the egg and put it in the nest. Yeah, and it's then a big bird tough. comes and sits on you, <laughs> and that is the only way the egg can rank up <laughs> is to be sat on by five different giant birds, and his shell cracks a little bit each time. Uh, and he has to to unlock the final form, which is dragon. He has to be S rank. So you have to like find a. I guess you have to find five different nests to get him uh, fully leveled up. That is the one that I have not unlocked. I've unlocked all the other forms. Um, I just before we started got necromancer and robot. Um, oh, nice! And robot's great. He's armor plated and just has a giant drill <laughs> and shoots rockets. Like talk <laughs> about feeling like overpowered. The necromancer uh, has casts a like a pentagram basically and revives corpses as demon servants. So like the more people you kill and then you cast that, it just has this huge army of uh, demons uh, at your at your behest. I, um, I did want to also mention uh, the studio has gotten better with colorblind accessibility. For what it's worth, uh, if that's a concern of yours, I played Guacamelee, and in Guacamelee. There were a lot of enemies Oof. that you fight that have like shields where you have to attack mm. a certain way uh, to do any damage. Everything in that game. And yeah, that's, yellow, red, blue shields. Right, exactly. So, and that's yeah. true in this game as well. There are enemies where you need to attack with blunt damage or whatever to uh, break their shields. But they uh, have added these um, icons above the heads that are colored, but also have like very specific art that indicate what damage you should be dealing. So I don't have to like... Literally, when I played Guacamelee, I was like, I'm going to try every attack until their shield breaks, because that was the only way I knew for sure. Oh, man. Yeah. What, what do you all think of the humor of this game? Because I, I find it it's very um, uh, early internet uh, flash cartoon, which I guess is kind of what I think a lot of their stuff is. I It's very on brand for drink box. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It's there's not a it's not overwhelming. And I appreciate right. that. We're like, uh, there's a version of this game. Man, I I wish more people had played Death Spank and were still alive. <laughs> so I, I thought the same I thing. Said, it reminded me of Death Spank. You're right. If, if you said Death Spank, it, well, the Death Spank's the evil version of this, right? Like, right. Death Spank's like, oh, I picked up bacon and he gave me energy. Like, yeah. like the it's not constantly silly and irreverent, but like the character interact, like the. I, after about 20 hours in, I met a knight who was like, hey, it's good to see you. <laughs> you're like, what? He's like, oh, you don't remember me? I, 
I met you at the Knights Guild. I gave you that quest to kill monsters. It's like, oh, it's <laughs> really hurt that you don't remember this one guy, that this one faceless knight that told you to go kill monsters for a quest. Um, but that kind of stuff. It's it's yeah. it's silly. There's also some like, it's not uh, particularly like sweeping, but there is some interesting stuff as you go through with the the main narrative. Like, there's some interesting like, um, not thematically, but like some interesting little twists that you come yeah. across my one of my favorite missions was uh you meet a group you uh, you eventually have to work for all the different like classic D D classes of like yeah the the knight the magician the uh thief and when you meet the thieves guild uh one of the quests they give you is to rob a dagger store and you go oh, there God, and the guy yeah. is like okay here's what i need you to do i'm giving you twenty dollars and you're like okay and he's like and there's a sale on knives for five dollars each and i need you to get me four knives and you're like wait what like how's that theft and he's like the sale is one per person so i need you to look different to the guy every time you buy a knife <laughs> but that there's actually a little bit of challenge there because he only will serve certain like he doesn't serve rats for example so like right. you can't go in there with your rat forms you have to figure out the forms that will work uh in in the store it's a clever you know what this game is just good it's it, i good good music too jim guthrie oh, did the soundtrack yeah um, it's really catchy catchy stuff you don't mind hearing it yeah he uh, uploaded it to youtube yesterday too um and if you want like a taste of it i recommend uh the ballad of in which is the 19th track on the soundtrack. And you can just search Jim Guthrie Ballad of Inn. But yeah, dude, it's just we, we so should mention, talented. By the way, this is on um, Xbox and PC. Steam. PC. I played on PC. I, a sw- Switch would be Holy like, shit. Yeah. perfect for this. Yeah. But I, 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 I don't know. I'm also, sure Game it will Pass have work. on Xbox. It is on Game Pass, yes. Yeah. And PC. I, I, would, I would, I think there's a, a certain type of gamer and i and would count myself along these lines that like loves a diablo action rpg like that i feel like you need to shut off those expectations a little bit once you start playing it because it has the it it looks like one but it doesn't there are a lot of things that kind of set it apart from the specific type of grind that that those games kind of require um it's just you got to you got to not expect that min max like really very hardcore style of of game because it's it is something different. It's good what it is, but if you go into it expecting like um, a very straightforward get the numbers bigger style game, like you you are going to be a little disappointed. Yeah, in a way, it's actually more complex than a game like Diablo, where I play Diablo. And I get to a certain point where I just like kind of steamroll everything. I just run in with my OP setup and whatever. But here, because it does require you to mix and match abilities and like change up your strat depending on what the dungeon is calling for, there is, I think it to some extent requires a little more thought process there. Yeah. Uh, I actually really also really like in terms of like grinding versus a Diablo game, like this game, I very rarely did I like just grind for grinding sake. It's more sort of about like, what could I pick going into this dungeon Mm -hmm. that's going to like deliver the most payout. But like, that's part of what I found such a, uh, a hook about this is that like, you're constantly improving, you know, your different skills, your different forms and finding new ways to like experiment with them um, that are really fun. 
Um, this is a great game. I, I don't know. I, I really, really like it. Uh, and I think that I'm so happy to see Drinkbox, who was here with us at the beginning of the Besties. Sticking with us. Yeah. Um, you guys going to take a break? Take yeah, a break let's do we'll it. Come back and talk about other stuff? Okay. This episode of the Besties is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right. So, you know, there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy. I'm sure immediately names jump to your mind. Those are the sorts of people that you would say, oh, maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house, but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up. You just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi. And once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos, you can do whatever you want, and it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old. I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old. And they both love their Aura frames and they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it. I'm really, really happy with it. And right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. You go get a phone, you just want a phone, talk to your friends and family, you're not asking so much. Then you get these contracts and you get ripped off because you got all this fine print little details and all of a sudden they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech. You know, the contract may sound good uh, up front, but there's always some sort of catch. You know who's not going to do that to you? Not going to pull that nonsense? Mint Mobile. Their wireless plans, there is no catch. $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you. You want to pay hundreds of dollars for, like, literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan? Or you want to have a nice, easy solution, save some, put the bucks back in your pocket, pay 15 bucks a month. Say bye to your overpriced wireless plan's jaw-dropping monthly bills. The unexpected overages sound familiar? To get this new customer offer and get your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash besties. That's mintmobile.com slash besties. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash besties. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. So I thought because it's the biggest video game deal in history that we probably should talk about the elephant in the room. And that is Activision being potentially not yet, but on its way to being bought by Microsoft. Is it, yeah, is I mean, it still up in the air? I mean, it, it needs to get FTC approval, which I think will happen, but not guaranteed, yeah. not guaranteed, but likely. Yeah, and, and it, okay. it, I think it's set to close in the summer of 2023. So yes. these things take time. Yeah, uh, sure. 
hey, this is a weird deal, right? Fresh, how, how much was it? $70 billion? I think it was $68 that? billion with a B. Why okay. not? Okay, it was like $68.7 billion, I think is the exact number. Why not add an extra $0.3 billion in it so we can at least like have a have a LARF, you mm. know? Oh, that would be nice. So we can at least, like when we refer to this deal, be like, yeah, man, you know how much I paid? <laughs> <laughs> but they couldn't give that to us, could they? No. Fresh, do you think this is good, bad, neutral? Well, okay. So I, I think for Microsoft, it's very smart. Makes total sense. They had a shitload of money just sitting around. Like, I think last I heard, they had like $150 billion of like a war chest that they've been sitting on. And so for them to do this and continue what they started with Minecraft and Bethesda and uh, those acquisitions to continue down that road of another enormous publisher falling in line with Microsoft totally makes sense. Is it a good thing? I certainly have worries about the idea of like there being three video game publishers in the world. Yeah. But yeah. that's sort of the end game of capitalism. So I don't know how we stop that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard to say because I mean, on paper, uh, the the like major platform like you know hardware platform holders like Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo have a I, I guess mixed track record when it comes to publishing indies and and providing support there. Usually, I feel like it's they have to have proven themselves in the field of battle before they will receive uh, money from one of these these teams. Mm -hmm. But it's not like Activision and EA or Activision Blizzard was like pumping out the indie jams. They they basically just had kind of the three games. Yeah. Uh, and now those are Microsoft's games. Well, and they were so. also like not in a good situation. No. Yeah. I, yeah. Pretty much. Uh, yeah. I mean, with the sexual harassment lawsuit, gender discrimination lawsuit, um, Activision. I mean, part of the reason this deal went through is that Microsoft got a, a sweetheart deal because the valuation of Activision had been cut pretty hard. Yeah, that's that's the thing that, like, I'm curious what the FTC will say here, right? So I, I, I guess for people who don't follow the brand names, Activision Blizzard King is the full company. They own... That's great. I always forget about the King part. And well, King it, makes and the most money. It's, it's huge here. Yeah, that, yeah. It, it, I think it's a big part of this deal. But they make Call of Duty, um, World of Warcraft, uh Starcraft, like Overwatch, Diablo, Diablo, gobs and gobs and gobs of stuff. Yeah. Candy Crush. And Candy Crush. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. King King makes like it, every mobile game that makes money, basically. Yeah. I. W w w okay. So what's weird about this for me with the FTC is Activision was already doing poorly <laughs> uh, because of all of the uh, evil things that have uh, been done by a uh, leadership across its company. Um and that is dropping the stock price. But then Phil Spencer, for the past, you know, I don't know, six months, it's kind of been touch and go whenever asked about Activision and being like, you know, like, it's pretty bad. We're not, yeah. we're not sure what our relationship with is with it, mm, which yeah, could affect the stock price and make it lower, which would make it easier for them to acquire it. I'm not saying that yeah. was done intentional because I don't want to get sued, <laughs> um, but... It, it certainly is a strange look made even stranger when, you know, like a week or two ago, suddenly Spencer took this kind of about face stance of, you know, like, you know, we're not we're not going to be too hard on them suddenly. And, uh, you know, I, I, 
I, sorry, I was going to say, I, I don't the know the quote was... exactly from, from Spencer. I will say that, like, when everything came out, he was one of the strongest voices against, uh, you know, being pretty direct about Activision and how this stuff is unacceptable. Um, I do honestly think, and I, I don't think this is a reach, to say that the second the deal goes through, Bobby Kotick is packing his bags and going to whatever 16 islands he owns and will never be heard from again. I, I honestly believe that will happen. You know, that's not to Which, say that fixes all of the problems with I, Activision, but I do I, think part of their end game is more or less cleaning house once they buy Activision to uh, not solve the problems, but address them. I can't, I just can't get over this image of like, Phil Spencer in a Corvette pulls up to Activision. The thing's on fire. People are throwing <laughs> furniture out the window and shattering glass. And he looks at it. He's like, yep, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take as no. much of this as you got loaded in the trunk. I love yeah, this. Because it literally um, was a, fi- a fire sale in that way. Like it's, it is very devalued. It was very devalued. And they paid a premium, so but it would have been a much higher premium if the company was like on the ups. I can't imagine there won't, uh, I mean, the downside of this, and there are many, obviously this kind of consolidation sucks uh, for consumers a lot of the time. Um, I think Microsoft is probably a better run company than Activision. It would almost have to be by default, but still uh, there will almost certainly be redundancies and layoffs with with a, a merger of this size. Um, so that that is already a bummer. Um, on the On the flip side of this though, you guys look at the list of IP that Microsoft is going to own now. Like it's with pretty this, wild. It's like all of them, basically. It's like a lot of. Let me let me get let me dig into the like. Let me let me blow off this dusty tone <laughs> and hit you guys with some some old ones that that and you tell me the likelihood of us seeing them. Okay, Zork. This. Sure. Zork. Pandemonium. No, you're not naming them. I'm naming. them. <laughs> oh right. Jesus. Zork. Got it. Uh. True crime. What was that? Okay. You guys remember true crime? Yeah. True crime streets of L.A. True crime streets of L.A. Oh yeah. Hey Griff. Qu- hey Griff. Quest for glory. Yeah, I doubt that that one's gonna come back. King's Quest. They yeah. got them both. That actually seems uh, very up Microsoft's alley. They love pulling back classics like that for like Game Pass PC. Yeah, that's the uh, point. Uh, well, before Justin, before you continue this list, like the whole point of this is Activision has been building itself around the idea of like, we need to sell three games and they all need to sell 50 million copies a year. And if we don't do that, we are failing. And Microsoft's strategy has been, we can release small Game Pass games and so long as it keeps the churn going, we get more subscribers. So we've seen titles like Nobody Saves the World, for example, which is on Game Pass, which is not a game that would ever like blow the doors down and but a lot of people will play it now that it's on Game Pass. Like I think we'll see smaller titles using these franchises coming to Game Pass in the future. So you heard it here first, folks. Russ Freshdick predicts Gun coming to t- <laughs> Gun Two, Gun Two, Gun and again. DJ Hero is back. Oh, fuck. yes, I hope. Dustin it off. Wild, man. It's a uh, the first three Tenchu games, Police Quest. Hard pass. <laughs> I think that's uh, the yeah. that, that time has uh, has has yeah. Passed. All the all um, the Sierra games, right? Uh, like all the like old school adventure Sierra games are in their library. Bl- yeah, Blur, um, <laughs> Blur. <laughs> Blackthorn. You know, 
Uh, there's a lot of wild stuff on this list. Uh, World of Warcraft is really interesting to me. Like that's a weird thing for them to 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 for Microsoft to own. Yeah, I mean, when when they talked about this with the press event and the New York Times like focused on this as like, oh, it's a metaverse deal. And mm-hmm. I think I I don't think that's the main focus, but I do think there is some interesting consolidation around games that could be whatever whatever the metaverse means to you of owning which is nothing by the way still nothing for for me (laughs) minecraft world of wow and and cod are three huge players and whatever this thing could be but that's like a big could be if i think the hey this is what you get right now that is big for microsoft about this deal is the whole goal is to bring new players into game pass and to lock them in there and if they put wow into Game Pass PC Ultimate or whatever, or if they put COD in there, they're just immediately, that same day, adding new players. The other part of this that I think has gotten overlooked is King, which, you know, there's a reason Rockstar just spent many billions of dollars to buy Zynga, even though Zynga is not especially... 2K, not Rockstar. Yes, Take-Two did that because they want to expand Grand Theft Auto Online. They need to get those sorts of things on mobile if they want to compete with stuff like Fortnite and these other giant platforms, you know, Genshin Impact that are going mobile. And Microsoft has yet to figure that out. So buying effectively the best mobile games publisher, or not best, the most successful, successful. yes, is going to, one, help them get their games onto mobile, but two, bring in millions of players who have never even thought about xbox because now they have all this ad inventory on king games okay so i have a i have an important question and i think people listening will be very interested in this question okay not to set it up too much call of duty or for that matter any activision game but i think call of duty is the most relevant here does the next after the deal goes through does the next call of duty game come to playstation i have a conspiracy theory about this and my conspiracy theory is phil spencer got promoted to head of microsoft gaming which is a very careful wording (laughs) and i'm starting to wonder if activision will be a brand under microsoft gaming separate from xbox because it's so big like you gotta hold on to that brand how you what (laughs) You got to hold on to that branding. Everyone loves well, it. I mean, it, it, it's toxic right now. No, but, I know. You, you know, know, especially Blizzard, you know, has has a reputation. And I and same with King, right? Like, is King a mobile game going to be an Xbox brand? That seems confusing. Um, yeah. So I I kind of wonder if Activision will be a a largely universal thing, but a lot of its games will be um, best on xbox here's where i'll counter that although i think it's Mm. certainly possible it could play that way i think there is zero possibility that the next uh elder scrolls game elder scrolls 6 comes to a playstation platform zero possibility of that happening and i really yeah no i'd be i mean they haven't announced that but i would be very surprised this is the leverage that they need to really do a lot of damage, if they want to, to do a lot of damage to PlayStation. Right now, PlayStation has no big, super, super popular shooter outside of... Resistance, Resistance Fall of Man. I'm sorry, you're right. Resistance Fall of Man and Call of Duty. Yeah. And to, so, 
<laughs> cut the legs out from Call of Duty for a play like on a PlayStation platform really puts Microsoft at a pretty big advantage and encourages more Game Pass subscribers. Do you know, do you know what we're watching right now? If that if that's true, because I think you might be right. We're watching Phil Spencer join the NWO. Like <laughs> this is his heel turn moment where. You know, he's like, hey, you know, what? we just want every game available on every platform, you know, go where the player is. And then he's like, yeah, yeah, we want every game on every platform, except for our enemies. <laughs> like, that would I be... I mean, but to, yeah. it, it's... it. I feel like this kind of thing... I feel like it used to happen a little bit more. And maybe not of this scale, of course, but like this kind of like shrewd console war like behavior right this is this is one of the more i would say aggressive actions that like any of the big players have made in quite a while uh but like i don't know has playstation kind of been sleeping on it have they like really done any microsoft is obviously like was behind coming into yeah this they were very behind. generation yeah and you know came into this generation also not not necessarily being as uh successful as as the playstation 5 but they're not really doing much with that, are they? Like, they're not really making those kinds of acquisitions. They're not like... Well, Sony uh, had the studio support that Microsoft did not have. So Microsoft has bought its way into having that depth of a studio-like bench, whereas yeah. Sony already had that. But, like, what what are they doing with that right now? Like, what was the last big... And, you know, this may be me misremembering, but, like, what was the last big first party sony game that came out that like really uh know, ratchet probably ratchet and Clank, but did that really like blow the fucking house down like i don't think so i mean last of us part two well, last of us part two i guess is a good but that's that was a year and a half I, figure yeah why well, I, mean, I mean yeah but also they, they they're not able to sell their hardware right now and there's been a pandemic so yeah this is why i think i i mean you could think about this in the in the short term, and I think in the short term they could very much hurt PlayStation with this. Although, I mean, PlayStation's been doing fine selling the PS5s. Yeah. Still can't get those. But, like, this is preparing for a world where hardware is yep. beyond an afterthought. They know – Microsoft knows that the – and they have the war, war chest to act on this, that, like, the future is what IP do you own. And, like, I think there's a, a possibility – that Microsoft would love to be freed from the business of hardware mm. and like just, and all the supply chain issues inherent to that. And just like have this library of IP that they own that you pay them a monthly service yeah. fee for. Um, That's true. Yeah. I, I, I would not be completely shocked if by the end of this generation, you can play like the Xbox library on PlayStation. Well, that's so, I, and I think that's this leverage that they have because Sony would never they have the juice to do it now. They would never right? do it before this, and now there is a possibility where Phil comes and knocks on Sony's door and is like, "Hey, you sure you don't want to put Game Pass on PlayStation? Are you sure?" Right. And the, the that's a great point, Hoops. And like a, a good way of thinking about it is like Netflix would never n release Netflix exclusives on Hulu. You know, right. in the, in, you know, in the future when there's the PlayStation streaming services and the Xbox streaming services, we won't see that. What I could see is, okay, if you want to get it for free on the streaming service, it's going to be on Xbox Game Pass only. And then a year later, if you want to buy it, like just pay for it directly on other platforms, you can do that. Right. It's all very interesting. 
It's, it's all yeah. bad. Let's 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 agree on one thing. Mm-hmm. It's all bad for the consumer. Yeah. Well, oh my god! I, did you see the story that came out like shortly after this was announced of like longtime WoW players like, "What's in it for us? Like we've stood by you guys and played your shitty games. <laughs> so as long as it's been shitty, what's in it for us? We deserve a class action no, settlement. No, just give them a mount. Like, They'll be fine." Give them, yeah, give them a mount. mount that looks like a, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think it's like, I'm, I'm less clear on how bad it will be for the gamer, because in some ways, for certain people, this will be great. I mean, Game Pass as a deal, for a lot of people, is a very, very good deal. Whether or not that means you get as creative games, or you get more smaller games or medium games, that's a big question. And how this is for developers, especially developers that aren't under this giant money umbrella, that's where it gets super scary. I but see I worry about the okay so like if you have a Call of Duty coming out next month that's ex- exclusive to Xbox do you need to pay somebody for a Nobody Saves the World you know what I mean like I think Netflix got into this arms race early on where they way overspent without realizing that like you know what we need like we don't need these these smaller things are not keeping people around you know like yeah. we don't need our well I I, guess I think you definitely do because I mean look at Netflix now they still release you know like. 30 things a week yeah sure they're not making as well actually they're probably making more artsy stuff now it's just microsoft can't afford a down month in game pass because you you would lose subscribers that way so the fact that every week you're seeing new shit happen you're that's encouraging people to stick around and the only way to keep that cadence up is to constantly be releasing small and big things Ah, see, I know I don't necessarily agree because I think that the the metaphor is different because I don't need access to my House of Cards season two. Oh, that's all where the time. it really gets good, though. <laughs> yeah, man, that's oh, where it really, man. really gets fired up. I don't need access to that, but like, I will. There's a difference between like having a library where I need to, I want to be able to play this thing for a long period of time versus like, like, okay, I watched all the Witcher today. What else you got for me? Like, well, you know, I don't think that that metaphor is exactly one-to-one with gaming. Cause I think that there is value to like having a library of games that like, Hey, we're all, you know, firing up overwatch, you know, hop in or whatever, Yeah, where it's, it's not necessarily the same sort of like consumption model for, for, but that's how game pass works. Like people's games leave game pass and just aren't in the library anymore. Yeah, I, I also think Microsoft doesn't want you to be hooked into just one game. From what I understand, like, well, they, the data already shows that they see people trying more games if they're just playing Game Pass and if they were playing otherwise, which is not surprising. What yeah. I think we'll see, I don't know, in a year, two years, three years, is them creating meta games that motivate people to, like, switch between stuff. And this is a thing that we saw Stadia say that they were going to do ish where you could you know like skip right to the level three boss and play that and then go to a different game and finish this race and go to another game and finish blank and that's the stuff that when we do get to the cloud gaming phase of this where you can just auto load stuff is going to be interesting when you have a platform that lets you just hop between game moment to game moment to game moment and i think they want to do that because they do know sure when you are really hooked on fortnite you're really hooked but once you fall off, you're done. And we need to make they need to make sure that like 
you're you're you have something else that's going to catch you and keep your attention once you're you're off whatever your favorite thing of the month is. This is an idle thought because we need to move on. But I did want to ask you all. There was a big phase uh, about a decade ago where uh, everything was episodic. Oh yeah, if you remember, yeah, Telltale and I, I guess even like more like f- ten to fifteen Half Life, but like. Half Life was is a bad example, but like episodic <laughs> gaming was like a big thing, and everybody moved away from it for for various reasons. Do you do you feel like a this kind of model, like the the sort of like monthly subscription streaming model being the future? Like, do you think that's more friendly to episodic gaming? Like, doesn't that serve your purposes just as well if you can re- release like five episodes month to month of Walking Dead versus like dumping all of it in in that's, one week and people playing? That's what it? they've been doing with the Apple Arcade. So Apple Arcade has like shifted into really supporting games that do these updates, content updates every like three months or so. Um, so it's possible. I, again, I don't know how they've been doing in terms of subscribers or whether that's maintaining them. But I do think part of the allure of Game Pass is that you feel like you're getting the whole thing right there. So mm. I don't personally, I'm not personally drawn to that, but. People might feel. Yeah, I don't think anybody really liked episodic. Yeah, well, I, I think the problem. <laughs> with, I think it kind of irritated everyone. Yeah, they. I think episodic gaming also. It was just bad because the games weren't finished, so yeah. you didn't know how long it was going to be till the next thing. We are OFK is coming out some point this year, which is a like kind of a memoirish video game about a, a band that's both real and fictional. It looks cool, but they're going to release an episode every week, so it's like. Having that cadence, I, I think, is the bigger the bigger win for episodic gaming than you know a, a platform like this. Yeah, cool. Uh, Future well, of gaming so bright. I gotta wear shades. I gotta wear gunners. Got Jeff on the show. I got one question that I, I, I gotta ask. Uh, okay. Owen asked us thoughts on Daniel Radcliffe playing Weird Al. I think he'll be great. It's very good. He'll be great. He'll be great. Anybody who says differently. Does is is wildly unfamiliar. He's with very talented, Mister Potter, Renaissance and his man. Body of work, he's so good. I don't and, uh, the wig. I don't know. I can't wrap my head around that. What that's going to well, look like? Well, maybe they'll just start with like serious, buttoned up. You know, early aughts weird Al. Oh know. sure, Albert, Albert, <laughs> <laughs> normal Albert Yankovic. I like the idea that you think that Al started in the early aughts. <laughs> no, I'm saying he switched his shit around to not be like bonkers curly. yeah he shaved the mustache and no he was more serious get with it get with it i'm sorry trying to come at me for my fucking weird owl knowledge like i wasn't yeah, listening he's a, to he's that. a close friend he was on our tv show <laughs> that's dude. like i wasn't listening to the naughty stuff while i was like at church camp so yeah. oh, why don't you check your check your privilege <laughs> uh let's get into honorable mentions shall we yes uh, yeah, i want to talk about a show called peacemaker which stars jonathan cena uh, Peacemaker is yeah. How is this? Uh, it's really fucking good. Really? So uh, Peacemaker is a direct sequel to The Suicide Squad, which was the James Gunn, which is an indirect sequel yes. to Suicide Wait, it's Squad. A sequel? I mean, it takes place immediately after Suicide Squad. How? I, I'm gonna. Oh, now I have that. to watch it. I mean, you. So if you've seen Suicide Squad, uh, there was a character called Peacemaker played by John Cena. All the events of this show take place immediately after the events of the movie. I liked the movie. It was not my favorite movie. Uh, I think um, James Gunn has done better stuff, but I liked it. Uh, You know, he's an, I mean, this is not a spoiler to say Peacemaker is a colossal asshole. 
Um, and I was not driven to be like, oh, I want to see more of this guy. But there is something extremely... Uh, I mean, first of all, John Cena is maybe the most charismatic person on the planet. So that helps. Um, but also, uh, he's surrounded by this amazing ensemble cast in the show Peacemaker, which also includes eagerly his sidekick Eagle, uh, who might be the new baby Yoda of this generation. Um, if you really liked Suicide Squad or just like baby Yoda kind of liked Yoda it this generation. <laughs> <laughs> Have we already moved on from baby? I, mean, I hate this little. We're, we're, well, novel. he's done. He's he's off on his own adventure. We're, we will never see him again unless he's in his teens. So anyway, Peacemaker's great. It's on HBO Max. You should watch it. I'll go next because I got another thing on HBO Max. Uh, Station Eleven, the uh, TV adaptation of the book. The show is amazing, but it's kind of like recommending The Leftovers where you're like, I hope you're ready to feel really bad with a little <laughs> bit of good that makes it all worth it. See, um, I've heard that because... it's uplifting more than sad, which is why I would be willing to give it a shot because I've more or less put put sad tv out of my life because uh, yeah world is world is already pretty pretty that well, way so this show it stuck me if this sounds familiar it's about a flu uh pandemic that takes over the world in uh 2019 2020 um mm. and except for in this show it, it kills basically everyone and uh good. Cool. Yeah, yeah 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 but sounds but fun. and here's where the the hopeful part comes uh once you are past that part, the show shifts to being about a traveling theater troupe in the post-apocalypse mm. and uh, why they are still performing Shakespeare. And it's a delight. That part is great. Um, it's like, it's what I wanted um, The Last of Us to be. I, I, I know that in our Last of Us 2 episode, we talked about what I don't like about that game is this idea that like, Every single human is just in just can't wait to start killing. Just a huge asshole, yeah. Yeah, and like this there's there's danger in the apocalypse, but largely people are good and they're just trying to, you know, get by. Um and yeah, I I, I really like the vibe. It I the the big warning is one, the first episode is the pandemic episode. It's a hard hang. And two, it there are a lot of flashback episodes. So it's not like I can say like, well, just get past the first episode because that's not the case. You're going to be revisiting the really heavy stuff a lot. Um, but if you do have the stomach for it, I, I really do recommend it. It's a really beautiful show. Cool. I don't have any. I have not been playing anything except for the... the well, uh, hey, the, hey, we don't do games anymore. It's all TV here. So mine is two things one not the book of boba fett i just want to say isn't it why i wish i could tell myself from 20 years ago that like don't you guys think it's wild they made a boba fett tv show and nobody cared i mean people care i, I just people, don't think it's I very seen good pe- like nobody is talking about it really much i feel like and it's not like i don't know man i haven't oh, I don't, i'll like i haven't watched it i don't know it's just wild like it's a wild time you haven't watched it what? No. What? I mean, I'm watching it. It's, it's, I mean, I don't know. Ooh, a, a Grand Slam review from No, I, I, I'm not it saying sounds it's like I'm missing I'm not out. saying it's good. I just thought because you said not Boba, not the book of Boba Fett, I thought you were going to say that because you had watched it and were not recommending it. No, I'm sorry. I should have been more clear. I don't watch it. I don't know. So the other thing that I am watching that is good 
Is Hawkeye? Oh, that Hawkeye's that's, right. Hawkeye's really? fun. I miss it. Hawkeye's I, I had good. heard mixed things. I'll give no, it a check. It's good. It's good. It's really fun. I'll I'll give you. A, it's just like I love the direction that M- MCU. I guess MTVU. I don't know how they're describing it, but like the Marvel TV shows, like really slow down, and they're like, "Hey, this guy's cool. Let's like just see what's going on with him for a little bit." Jeremy Renner is. I mean, incredibly charismatic, much like his friend Jonathan Cena. Uh, very charismatic. It really helps to to um, carry the show. And Haley Steinfeld but, but, is out. But like, Haley out Steinfeld of sight. is. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like that, he is met completely by Haley Steinfeld, and there's just like it just is able to be a little bit more fun, I think, than a lot of the the big ticket MCU movies. There is, for example, <laughs> a scene where Hawkeye is f- in trying to track down the, the sort of inciting incident is if you remember, he was going as Ronan for a while with his like armor and a sword and stuff. And he sees the, the Ronan armor, like pop back up on TV. So like the, the thing that draws him in is he's trying to track this down. And part of that is that he sees a guy using it at basically like a LARP, sort of renaissance festival kind of thing. And the only way he can talk to the guy is if he joins the 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 fracas at this renaissance festival with like foam swords and shields and everything. And so it's like him, that scene of him like on a battlefield with all these dudes and like starting to get into it. And uh, it's like great fun. Like the whole thing is just like, it's a hoot. Yeah. He's got the f- silly arrows. And the stakes uh, are low. Like, like it, you're not battling yeah. a giant fucking robot that's crushing whatever grand central it's you know he has to get the suit back he feels like he's uh, protecting protecting Haley steinfeld's character and chris plant it's a christmas show entirely around I, christmas that vibe that vibe's real good um yeah. yeah i will say that i i i liked basically all of it except the ending the ending felt a little i think it had maybe one storyline too too many going on mm. i wish it also like i think the the what they did with the show is great i think it borrows some of the matt fraction stuff uh yeah but not enough of it maybe there was a lot of like cool shit in the matt fraction stuff uh and I don't know that they necessarily get that that energy with with the show, but I also think that they get just enough of it to make it a, a good, a really good time. Oh wait, one other thing I wanted to say because it's Hawkeye and they're both Archer people, I get very distracted. This is gonna sound stupid, you know. Once you have a kid, and anytime you see parents on the screen and they don't have their kids, you instantly are like, "Who's watching your fucking kids?" Yeah. <laughs> like, where are, you, where are your fucking kids? I have that kind of with Hawkeye, where it's like, anytime they're walking around or doing anything, and I don't see a bow attached to them, I'm like, hey, wait, you need a bow now. <laughs> Why are you walking around without your bow? Hey, get your bow. This can fi- At any point, this can turn into a fight. Get a bow. There is a funny bit, though, where, like, uh, Hawkeye has this, you know, retractable, collapsible bow, and Haley Steinfeld just has a normal ass longbow that she has to carry around with her everywhere. Like, how do you do this? How do you just carry around this big fucking bow with you everywhere you go? This sucks. Uh, it's fun. Uh, I wanted to thank the following people for writing reviews for the besties on Apple Podcasts. Jewel Nader 100, Drew Shays, Brent Trow, Servers 24, and Grandpa Simon. Grandpa Simon and everyone else who wrote reviews. We appreciate it. 
Uh, let's see. This week we talked about Nobody Saves the World, and we talked about <laughs> Microsoft acquiring Activision Blizzard, which means we mentioned all sorts of games like Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, StarCraft, uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 Plus 2, uh, Zork, you know, all the classics. Uh, Police quest, al- you know, the good, the good shit. Oh, goo goo. Uh, we also talked about uh, Weird Al, Peacemaker, Station Eleven, and Hawkeye. Uh, and then next week, it says uh, in this, I in can't. this transcript, n- no clue. Yeah, I can't abide what you suggested, so I really don't know what we're doing next week. Dangling rope. Oh, oh yeah, anniversary yeah, edition. Yeah, is that yeah, what it says I'll, here? I'll find something else. I, 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 no, I was being my, optimistic. My own. Are you playing Danganronpa, Justin? No, I've already played it. We will figure out something great for next week. Maybe, maybe, maybe we can revisit God of War on PC. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Serious Sam Siberian Mayhem. Oh boy. Okay. Oh boy. It's time no, to go. I don't know. All right. Chess. That's gonna do it for us uh, for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to join us again next week for the besties. They shouldn't the world's best friends pick the world's best games. Steve.